this week on The Inswinger. However, I do think they lack that six, which we've talked about, that will prevent them uh, from winning the league. But I think the defense is start starting to get back to its you know, imperious form. I think Pochettino will get them European football, but I don't think they're better than the teams ahead of them just yet. I think if this means Glazers out eventually, that's positive. Look at the players who were there before the takeover who have been improved by Eddie Howe. It goes to show what an incredible job he's done. All right, welcome back to the Inswinger episode seven of season three. I'm Charlie Amadio, joined by Harrison McGlashan. Uh, we're on international break uh, this week, which is bad news for us, bad news for the pod. But don't fear, we have your content craving we're, we're gonna fixate all that all right we're gonna we're gonna sort it out we have some random segments the return of the random segment we took a little hiatus from that we're gonna get to that later talk about some international footy in relation to the uh the world cup format uh and but before we get to that we're gonna talk some prem news uh in the form of predictions something somehow we missed at the beginning uh of the year in terms of giving our one through 20 predictions we always like to do that uh, but we're going to see if things have changed. We're going to try not to cheat too much. I'm going to give my predictions from, I believe, the end of the transfer window. I'm not going to complete, like, go from here. I'm going to stay true to what I thought as of, I think, September 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's get into that, Harrison. I don't yeah. know if you've got your – we'll go bottom we'll to top. We'll go bottom to top, yeah. I like uh, that. I let's like see that. what you got for your – who do you think is going to finish rock bottom? I think it's between two teams. <laughs> I think – we both know who those teams are. I went with Sheffield United. So did I. They're currently bottom on uh, one point, which is a draw against Everton, <laughs> of course. But, uh, yeah, I just don't think they have enough at either end of the pitch. Hecking Bottom, I think, is in trouble. 8-0 loss. I mean, it's in the name. Hecking Bottom. Yeah. I, yeah. I like uh, Gus Hammer a lot. Gustavo. I think, I think he's been really good, but uh, he's not going to save them from relegation. So I, I think they're bottom. When I look at Sheffield United and the kind of magic they had a few seasons ago, it was kind of this novel, like we're back in the Prem, we can surprise some teams. I look at them now, and it just looks a bit like they're happy to take those parachute payments, come back down, and kind of be a yo-yo club. We're going to get to the team I have finishing 19th, and what separates them, I think, at Luton, is they do have a bit more energy about the group because the Premier League experience is new. Like some of these guys... For Sheffield United, it's like, well, we we did this. It didn't go great, and we sold a couple of our best players. Didn't do a ton of business, and yeah, Sheffield United right now, it, it's just very uninspiring. And I agree. I, I think it starts with Hacking Bottom too. I mean, like, so I agree. I have them bottom. I'll go. My nineteenth is Luton. Mm-hmm. Luton, I think this was a bit of a wild card in that people were so quick to say they're going to finish bottom. They're going to finish bottom. That you know. They didn't really give him a chance, but slowly but surely you're seeing something, some sort of momentum being built. They beat Everton. Uh, they scraped out that win at Goodison, which is a big win for them. And I think that that'll start to maybe build some belief. That being said, they just don't have enough quality across across the pitch. Even if they defend well, they don't have enough going forward. You know, that we're relying on you know guys who have have been there and not really done it in terms of like Ross Barkley and uh, Marvelous Nakamba, even Andres Townsend now. So the quality's just not there. So I have them going down. I have them in 19th as well. I think regardless of what happens to them this season, 
it's a huge positive that they're here in the first place because I mean this squad wasn't ready for Premier League football. I think they're ahead of schedule in terms of their development as a club. I mean you could see that with the stadium, right? Wasn't ready, literally wasn't no. ready for the Premier yeah. League. So uh, you know, huge positive for Luton to be here, but I think they'll take the parachute payments, go back down, and and start to build, and and hopefully in the long run they'll they'll be back in the Premier League. Yeah, Luton. It's kind of a fairy tale season for them, but beyond that, you know, I just don't think there's going to be much there. Eighteenth, oh. I this is one of my switches. Tricky. I have Burnley, and it's like, all right, you you have the three promoted teams, you know, going straight back down. But with Burnley, there was this optimism around company and how they played in the championship last year, and I feel like we all fell victim to the aura of Vincent Company and didn't look deeper because I think. If it's anyone else, we kind of view them as a team like Norwich who played really good stuff in the championship, but always question whether they were able to replicate that in the Premier League. And that's essentially what's happened with Burnley. They didn't really recruit well. They they spent money but didn't add uh, experience in the team. Uh, and right now what you're seeing is a team trying to play away. They're not good enough uh, to play in, in the, at this standard in the league. You know, I, I really can't make my mind up on this one. I... I will go for Burnley as well because I was between I was between Burnley and Bournemouth. And what set them apart for me was the fact that Bournemouth have more quality, I think, and they you know, they've actually made some really exciting signings yeah. and, and we and we know they can play. Burnley, I just I'm not convinced yet, and I really want to believe that they can switch things up and find a way of playing that can keep them in this league. But frankly, I just haven't seen it yet. We might see it. But Bournemouth, although I think they've been really poor, I think it's so close. I I honestly had Bournemouth and I keep switching. But I just think that there's quality there that might just be able to get going, whether it's under Iriola or not, that can keep them in this league. You know, the way Billing hit some form last season – Otara, Clivert's come in. Like, there are pieces there that I think might have enough. If they could just, if it can just click under this manager, I think we could see improvement. But right now, it's not looking great for, for Bournemouth. So they've just edged it for me over Burnley, who I think uh, will, will go down. And, and that's sad to say that the three promoted teams are going down. But um, I just I don't see it with any of them really. Yeah, I have Bournemouth in 17th, and this is a team I was I was hot on prior to the start of the season based on the excitement around the team and the signings they made. However, I just don't think Iriola has adapted well to the league. It was it was a risk. It was a progressive thinking appointment. And you have to credit Bournemouth for that, but you also have to look at it critically and say, in hindsight, was this the right move to get rid of Gary O'Neill? And right now, it just doesn't look like that's the case. Um, so I have Bournemouth in 17th. Just staying up yep. because of the reasons, like you said, I think Billing and Solanke, there is a bit more Premier League experience there. And maybe it's not Iriola who, who avoids the drop, but it is really close between them and Burnley. It is. Uh, in 16th, I have Fulham, who... Okay. this is where we disagree. Okay, so close, Fulham... The loss of Mitrovic is so huge. Because at this point in the table, having a goal scorer like him is literally the difference. And when you lose him and there was disgruntlement with you know him and the Saudi bid, I think it's so harsh because I rate Marco Silva and what he's done. They kept Paena, which is huge. Without him, I think this could have been a real worry. 
Um, but Fulham, I think they'll be okay. I do think there's a substantial gap between them and Bournemouth in terms of those bottom four teams are really the bottom tier. I do have Fulham just above that, staying up. However, replacing Mitrovic with Raul Jimenez doesn't inspire me enough, and it's unfortunate they lost uh, Mitro because I think he was he was great for him last year, and there was no reason why he couldn't replicate those performances again. So I don't have Fulham much higher, but I had Wolves okay. in 16th. Yeah, I have Wolves and, and, and people have been hotter on Wolves than I have because they picked up a few decent results. But I just think the striker position is an issue. Kaladzic isn't really starting games. No. It's Cunha who isn't really an out-and-out nine. I like him, but I don't – I just – I don't see the firepower, and I think they really need Pedro Neto to perform, and he's an injury-prone guy. Yeah. So I think they'll stay up, but I think it's going to be and – and I do think they're better than the, the promoted teams in Bournemouth, but I do think that they might be the worst of the rest, if you will. It's, it's between them and Fulham, who I had in 15th, and I just think that Fulham might have – a bit more with Willian, who who we know is is just a Premier League uh, goal scorer, even at this age. Yeah, right? that. And and guys like De Cordova Reed, they just pop up with goals. They and, do. And and, and uh, Paulini and Harrison Reed, I just I like the Fulham side a bit more, especially with the back line. Wolves under Gary O'Neill. I thought Gary O'Neill's Bournemouth got lucky a bit last season, to be honest. I, I, not that he didn't do a good job, but I just I'm not I'm not fully sold on him. Um, so I think, and that's honestly, it's not a bad season for Wolves, 16th. A lot of people thought they would go down, so I think they just need to get some stability back into the club, and I think 16th, I honestly think they might take it this season. Yeah, I mean, on Wolves, I have them in 15th, and I think the narrative has changed. The narrative, shout out, JLA. Um, (laughs) I think a lot of people have Wolves going down, uh, with the whole Lopetegui mess, transfer mess. O'Neal has kind of been that just little bit of stability he's offered them and he's allowing players that we know have quality to thrive pedro neto is on a, in a great run of form right now and there are other players there steady players at the back like craig dawson uh kilman's a good yeah, player that's decent that's enough to keep you in the league but not much more than that i have him in 15th yeah uh, and 14th i have forest now okay. i think forest have potential to kick on maybe a bit higher i think they did good business whether Steve Cooper can get the best out of that midfield balance will remain to be seen. I think Sengar is a great player. I like what I've seen from Oral Mangala, but you've also got to fit in Gibbs White in there and this Nico Dominguez guy. So, again, it's a lot of bodies for Steve Cooper to deal with. He dealt with it last year. We'll see if he can this year. But the the, the, the point I want to talk about in Forrest is that front three with Elanga, Hudson-Odoi, and Awoni especially. We're seeing a lot of, of good things from Taiwo Awoni, the Nigerian striker. Uh, and uh, like I said, in this at this part of the table, goals are crucial. And if Awoni can get you 10 to 15 goals, you're going to be stable. Uh, and you can really kick on. So I have, I have Forrest comfortably in 14th. I have them higher, actually. Okay. I have Everton in 14th. Okay. Which is interesting, being the Everton fan, that I have them lower. I, I, I mean, I have Everton in 13th. Uh, yeah, so. okay. So I have learned not to be <laughs> optimistic. Yeah. We'll get you after yeah, like, a few. I think we could be comfortably mid-table, and this is mid-table. But the thing that's holding me back, uh, despite our really good performances and, and underlying numbers, is I just think if you lose a few pieces, 
it it could it could we could struggle if you lose one of the center backs if you lose I mean if you lose Calvert-Lewin you still have Beto but he is unproven if you lose uh, a McNeil or a, or a Jack Harrison who I think we will see them be really crucial to this team in the way Deitch wants to play all of a sudden James Garner's back out wide it's just not the same so I think depth is an issue for Everton I've talked about it before but I think 14th is a is a really decent season for us at this moment with the instability around the club, the transition period we're going through. I think that's totally totally fine. I think it's I, I think we'll we'll be a team that will underperform XG. I think that's I, I, I we'll create chances, but I don't think we're always going to score. We don't have a lot of clinical finishers in the team, so I, I think we're going to be better than last season for sure, and we've already proven that. But I just don't think we'll get. The goals and I think a few injuries might hurt us in in later stretches of the season. So I think I think 14th is is about right for us. Yeah, I, I have Everton in 13th. Uh, I think looking at it objectively and what Dice has done and the performances you're seeing, I think there's enough there to say okay, we're comfortably we're, we should avoid a relegation scrap. So I have them in 13th. Uh, the team I have in 12th is kind of this perennial 10th to 12th team is Palace. Uh, I think the loss of Zaha is big in terms of their production. They've had a, a pretty solid start to the season, and that's without Michael Elise and Mateus Franca, the young Brazilian they signed. Obviously, Elise signed that contract to avoid the Chelsea move. So I think when they got, when those guys come back into the team, they'll support Eze, and you'll start to see some more goals defensively. I really like the pairing of Gehi and Anderson. Uh, Czech Decore is a good midfield player. Jefferson Lerma, uh, a smart bit of free signing, and you trust Big Roy. So I, I have Palace 12th, kind of where they are. Uh, that's about, you know, their, their, their ceiling and floor are, are pretty similar. It's like, you know what you're going to get from Palace and Hodgson. They're always going to be in that 10 to 12 yeah. kind of range, I think. So I'm still at 13th. So I've got, uh, I've oh. got Brentford okay. in 13th. I think they'll take a big dip and are taking a big dip without Ivan Toney. Yeah. And I think they could be in that actually Wolves, Fulham, Everton bracket. I thought they were not very good when we played them in, at their place. But I think when Tony comes back in January, they'll go from that sort of 16th to 15th range up to, I think they'll climb a few spots. Not many. Uh, you know, 13th, I think, is a dip for them. Uh, but I think they're going to be in a hole when Tony comes back. And I think it might take time for him to hit form. And, and but, he might but, move in January. And he could go. So that could change things. But um, he'll he'll keep them up comfortably, and I have them in 13th. But, but I'm not as bullish on Brentford this okay. season. Yeah, we'll get to Brentford. I still have him a bit higher, which is probably a bit yeah. uh, of this bias. Then, Who do you have? 12th? So 12th, I have Forrest, okay. who we spoke about. I just think they have an exciting attack. I really like Gibbs-White. Even though they lost Brennan Johnson, I like the look of the front three. Awanyi's great. So we spoke about them. Uh, Forrest in 12th, and then Palace I have in 11th, just ahead of them. I think they're just, they're just the mid-table team, yeah. and that's kind of fine for Palace. Yeah, and 11th, you might, this might be a bit surprising. I have West Ham because uh, similar to you, I'm always a bit pessimistic when it comes to my own team. Don't like to get ahead of uh, ourselves. No. This prediction came, I think, in the midst of, I think after the Chelsea result maybe, maybe a little later than that. And I think we're building a lot of good things right now. However, I'd like to think we might prioritize the Europa League when it gets to those stages. That could see us drop off. Uh, and something always seems to uh, go wrong when it comes to West Ham. You just don't know what it is. We haven't seen it yet, which means something's coming. I mean, this <laughs> Pakita betting, that might rear its ugly head again. He might want to move in January. I, who knows? So it's just like, great start to the season, but let's cool it just a bit. If I had to redo this, I probably I have Brentford in 10th. I'd probably swap that. 
because um, I'll just say a quick piece on Brentford, and you can go to your 11th and 10th. I just I rate Frank, and I do think he'll sort it out. Um, but the, the Tony issue is real. Uh, it's very real in terms of where they're going to get goals from, and just the whole off the field kind of distraction. So that is an issue for them. Yeah, they just they don't have a striker really to no. play there. And Bomo and Wiss are good, but not number nines. Um, yeah, so 11th I had Palace, 10th I had West Ham. Okay. Uh, I mean, you know more about them than I do, but I just think, it. listen, it's tough from here. It really is, up, yeah. The top half, a lot of good teams. It was really tough to differentiate, so so we'll, we'll obviously get into it. But, yeah, I don't know. I just found it hard to put them above some of the other teams. It really comes down to, oh, I really like West Ham this season, but you look at some of the squads ahead of them, you're like, can they? I don't know. Right. So it's it's a test for them this season. Yeah. That You had them in 10th? I have them in 10th. Okay. Um, in 9th, this is tricky, and this is where this I'm looking at this table, really and tricky. it's like, oof, this is not dated well already. We'll get to some bad predictions already from me, because I don't want to change it based on the eight games. I want to be true okay. to what I said. I have, Brent, I have Brighton in 9th, um, okay. and I think I touched on this a bit last week. I just think their defense is starting to show some holes, and... The Thursday, Sunday might be taking a toll on them physically and mentally. Um, it can go either way, and I don't love this prediction, but this is what I picked, so I'm going to stick with so it. So you did a, you did predictions after the transfer window? Yes, so this is on the side. This I is did, dated. So I'm going wrong Okay, yes, right now. yeah, so um, Harrison's probably going to be a bit better in mind, but so, this is what I thought. But listen, that might play into your favor, right, because form and recency bias is such True. a thing, which is why I've got Man United at nine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, listen, even if they click... I don't think they're better than Villa, than Chelsea, than Brighton, than Newcastle, than Spurs. Like, all these yeah. teams. Liverpool, obviously, Arsenal City. So, I I don't know. I'm really not seeing it right now with Ten Hag. I think Rashford will get going and Bruno. And I, I think it might work in the end. And I think they'll get a boost, especially, which we'll talk about with the whole Jim Ratcliffe thing. Maybe that's settled the off-the-field and dressing room problems. I don't know what's going on there. But I still think that they are in this weird phase of, of transitioning and Ten Hag doesn't really know which way he wants to play and you've got you know he said a while ago that they want he wants his team to be the best team in transition in the world but trying to play out of the back so not that you can't dominate a game and play in transition but it's like I just don't know who they where are. he's going I don't know who they are yet so I think even if they figure it out I don't know I just think it's going to take time to get these guys going the way he wants them to and I think they'll be better than they are now, but I still don't think they're better than the teams ahead of them. And I, I think they're I think they're in ninth, you know? I, I just, I don't know. I don't see it yet. And it's hard to predict, you know, whether they will really hit form. I mean, that's the question. I, 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 just, I just don't know, and I'm just not seeing it yet. Yeah. In eighth, I've got Villa. Um, and, again, this was probably a recency bias from when I made these picks and they got smacked by Newcastle. And I was like, oh, are they going to be this good or whatever? Yeah. But they're on a terrific run of form, so they'll, they'll probably will end up finishing higher than this. But it's really competitive. Um, I've got Villa in eighth as well. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, you could say your piece on Villa. Rate Emery, rate yeah, their players. They're a well-oiled machine at this point. They are. They are. Yeah. I think they are. They could, they could definitely do better than eighth, but I still think it'll take them – I don't know. I just think maybe a, a few more pieces and, and seasons under Emery array away from really being a top six team. Yeah. Because, man, the competition is just so strong at the moment. So, yeah, I've got Villa in eighth as well. Yeah. I mean, my next pick is awful. I have Spurs in seventh. And you'd like to think 
I mean, anything can happen with an injury. I doubt they're going to plummet this far. It is still early, but this was just coming. This was being like a conservative pick, I thought. I thought seventh for Tottenham was like, well, they lost Kane and just, you know, unproven, but everything has worked for them thus far. So I'd be very surprised if they if they finish seventh. Uh, who did you have in that spot? Chelsea. Yeah, okay. Got Chelsea. I think that's reasonable for them. I think they're on the up at yeah. the moment. I think it's starting to click, and we always thought that there are there are good players there. The the problems at Chelsea aren't are, are off the field really with with recruitment and, and money spent and you know we don't need to really go into it. But in terms of what I'm seeing on the field, they look like a decent team. I think it's going to take time for them to really get to that elite level. But I think Raheem Sterling, being that experienced attacker in the team, he looks great. He looks the best we've seen in a, in a Chelsea shirt from him. So I think Pochettino will get them European football, but I don't think they're better than the teams ahead of them just yet. And I think there's just a lot of young players to develop, and that's going to take time. So I've got them in seventh, which is, I think that's a fine season for Chelsea, first season under Pochettino. I mean, I think the fans need to realize what the expectations are. You know, it's not, I know you've spent a billion, and, and you can blame Bowley, and I do too, but... When you look at that team on paper, it's 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 not going to click immediately. So I think they're on the right track on the pitch, but uh, I, I think seventh is where they finish. Yeah, I have Chelsea in sixth, uh, and this is kind of what I expected from this group. Maybe I didn't expect it to be so rocky to start, but you're kind of predicting that up and down, just given how inexperienced this group are. Um, but you are starting to see you know positive signs and goals and results coming. So yeah, that could maybe finish. You sixth uh, and fifth. I have Newcastle. Um, or you didn't. So do I. Okay. I, I. So I have Newcastle fifth. Sixth, I've got Brighton. Okay. So I just think they're great. They're so good to watch, and and they've got they've got pieces, man. I mean, even when you look at the bench, like Antu Antu Fadi isn't going to start every game. They've got they've just got fun players all over the pitch, and and they're playing really well. And we talked about their defense last week. Could that be a problem? Maybe. Could the European hangover be a problem? Maybe. But I actually think they've got enough to still to still be in and around that top six or seven. So I think I think they finished sixth. I, I mean, I think they're really good. I love Deserby. I think they've got guys who can score goals. They've got depth with Ferguson and Welbeck and, you know, all these guys. I, I think I think they'll be okay. I think I think they'll finish sixth. And then we we both had I got new, yeah, both had so we Newcastle. We both had Newcastle in fifth, and I think it, it's harsh for them to think, oh, maybe they get worse because they finished fourth last year, but I think the addition of Champions League football is so massive for them. Uh, they've already shown they can they can handle it, but you know results. They didn't look leggy, but they didn't start well in the first half against West Ham this past weekend after the European game midweek. So you maybe that starts to take its toll. Maybe they make a run in the Champions League and really starts to take its toll towards the end of the season. But you have to respect what Eddie Howe has done. I don't think he gets enough credit. I think a lot of this Newcastle praise gets heaped towards you know the players they've brought in. But if you look at the players who were there before the takeover, who have been improved by Eddie Howe. It goes to show what an incredible job he's done. In Look who just played against PSG, yeah. Lascelles and and Cher. You know, if you would have said that those guys would be at the back of a team that spanked PSG in the Champions League, I would have said you're crazy. Yeah. So I think yeah, huge credit to Eddie Howe. I still think they'll be great, but I think it's it's again it's just hard to put them above the teams that I have ahead of them at the moment, which is unlucky really yeah. for them. So I think uh, I think they'll be good. I think they'll be as good as last season. I think maybe. A little bit of Champions League hangover. I think that's normal for a team that's never played, uh, a squad rather that's never really played in the Champions League before, barring a few names. So I think fifth is still a good season for Newcastle. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's where they finish. All right, moving into top four, I have United, and this was 
this this was a bad pick. United well, at the four. time. At I the mean, time, it just everyone and, had them in top four. And this just seemed like the players they brought in fit the system. Like it seemed like Mount was kind of going to come in and just do a good job. Obviously, he got injured. And I think the story of United is their defense. That's what's let them down. Varane has not been good. Martinez has been injured. The fullbacks are injured. Shaw has been out. Wamasaka has been out. So, like, that's kind of been, I think, a big reason for their dip in form. It'll be a huge ask for them to get Champions League football based on the way they started. I think they'd probably take anything in Europe at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had them further down for, for the same reasons. I'm sure you would probably revise. But you've stuck to your guns. I've stuck so to my credit guns. to you. Uh, yeah, just just not seeing it with United. Uh, so fourth, I've got Spurs. Again, before the season, I wouldn't have had them this high, but um, I just think I love what I'm seeing. I, I do think they'll dip off from <laughs> from being unbeaten for yeah. sure. I just think again, we've talked about them with depth. I think they're a few injuries away, really, and and we've seen them in tight games, right? I mean, they have had a bit of luck. Um, you know, the the Sheffield United game kind of comes to mind, squeaked by in the last minute. Like I think we'll. We'll start to see a few cracks, mm. and, and a few results might not go their way. But, I mean, they're playing great stuff. Son, I think he's just – what an incredible finisher Jeon Min Son is. I think he will get a ton of goals in this team, Madison. But if you lose a few guys, even in you know the defensive areas, Van de Ven has been great. He just covers so, so much crucial. ground. Uh, you know, it's a really nice partnership with Romero, who likes to defend aggressively, and got Van de Ven in behind just cleaning it up. So I think, uh, I, I think they've been great. But, again, every team gets – unlucky and whether that be with injuries or fluke goals or something i just think something it's it's not going to go right the whole season so for that reason i've got them uh in fourth which is still a really good season without harry kane transitional season you thought they look fantastic and i think the fans are, are just buzzing and for good reason so and just spurs i've got in a champions league spot in in fourth and no european football as well yeah will uh will will help them i think all right, moving on to third, I have Liverpool in third. I think they just are a tier below Arsenal and City. We'll get to who we have winning the league in a second. But you have to like the improvements you've made uh, if you're a Liverpool fan based on this time last year. Just because it was a bit stale last year. It needed that revitalization, and I feel like you've got that with the signings you've made. Uh, Klopp is still here to stay. He's still doing his thing. However, I do think they lack that six, which we've talked about, that will prevent them uh, from winning the league. But I think the defense is start starting to get back to its you know, imperious form. The, uh, the attack is still lethal. Darwin's starting to improve. So I think mm. they do get back in the Champions League, which is, I think, a big step after a poor season last year. I agree. I have them there as well for the same reasons. I just think they're a player away, maybe two from really, really challenging, but I think they're going to score a boatload of goals, and that's going to have them comfortably Champions League. But I just think they're missing that Fabinho Henderson character who's just going to eat up ground and just put out fires. I just think you have to be perfect to beat teams like Arsenal and Man City, and uh, I, I think they're a little bit away from that. All right, who do you have winning the league, and who do you have finishing second? I have... I really, I really want Arsenal to win it. Not because I'm an Arsenal fan, but I just think it'd be good for the league. And I've got them winning it. Okay. Why not? And the reasons why, I just think, I listen, so I, so I listen to a lot of Sky, right? And Gary Neville talks about how, although United won the league after winning the treble, they didn't play, like, very well. I just, the league wasn't as good at the time. That's probably why they won it. And I just think what we've seen from City, 
I think Rodri and De Bruyne will come back and they'll be much better. But I just think that Arsenal, after two years of nearly, like nearly getting the Champions League when they lost out to Spurs, nearly winning the title, I just think that they've learned mentally and I just think they might have the strength and they just might be able to dig in and win it this year. I think... You know, if I don't know, is Timber out for the whole season, or is he? He might come back in like April. So maybe that gives them a boost. But I just think that I think they might learn from their mistakes, and I think they're better this year with Declan Rice. Um, again, not convinced at Havertz, but you know, I, I don't really think that's a huge deal. I just think what I've seen from them so far this season, not just the City result, the way they've won games. They've continued their good form. I haven't seen a drop-off at all, despite sort of a new-look midfield. I think they might get it done this year, and I think this has to be the season to get at City with that with that treble win. They're injured. They look tired. They didn't really... Holland's not quite getting the service as of yet. So I think if there's a year to do it, it's this year. So I just think they might they might edge it. I, I Honestly, I don't say it with a ton of confidence <laughs> because City are just so good. But uh, I'm going to go with Arsenal. Yeah, I'd love to agree with you, and I share that same sentiment just for parity in the league. I want Arsenal to win it. However, I do think City will win it. Uh, I just am projecting myself into the future and looking at the way City can grind out results and just go on runs when they get their players back. I do think that will be enough. And as much as I rate Arsenal's win against City over the weekend, I'm still yet to be wowed by their performances as compared to last year. Maybe, maybe it, it shouldn't. I shouldn't be wowed because you know you'd rather grind out results than you know wow you with performances and then drop off at the end of the season. But I just think Arsenal are still a step behind, and it, it's so much to ask to beat this City team. And maybe if these injuries start to keep stacking up, that will be enough for Arsenal. But besides, uh, taking that aside, like when I made this prediction, we didn't know about the De Bruyne injury and the Rodgers suspension, mm-hmm. Stones and all that. And I, I think I'm not going to go back and change it based on the injuries. I think the City team no, has And en- they'll come back. Yeah, and they'll come back. And I think the City team has enough to bow- about them. It'll be four straight after a treble. It'll be something special. Yeah. Uh, so crazy stuff. All right. Uh, we're going to move on to another topic in the Premier League. The Manchester United takeover saga, which has been running for months on end now, there were two parties, Sir Jim Ratcliffe, who's a British billionaire, uh, and Shaikh Jassim uh, of Qatar, both interested in buying Man United, one of the biggest clubs in the world. Their market valuation, for reference, based on the stock market, I think about $3.2 billion. The final bid from Shaikh Jassim, which was rejected, was more than double that. And the Glazers... Greedy Glazers ended up selling 25% of it for I think about $1.8 billion to Sir Jim Ratcliffe. Fans are not happy. What do you make of this whole topic, Harrison? I don't know why they're not happy. I think it's positive. I think you don't... Here's the thing. United generates so much revenue. I just think they need somebody to put a system in place to spend it properly. And, and listen... The rumors are rumors, right? Redeveloped Old Trafford, expanded to 90,000. That sounds great. Is it going to happen? We'll see, right? But I think the key is it, it might lead to a full takeover, right? Is there sort of gentleman's agreement there? Those are the rumors. So yeah, that, that's the big point. So, so if it's true, let's just play the game here. I think it's, I think it's ideal because 
You don't have to worry about this sort of sketchy moral track record with Qatar. You're not state-owned. I think that's good. I'd rather have that. And I think you're Man United. You generate so much. It, it, they just need to spend that money. They don't need state ownership to like like City did uh, to or Newcastle, right? They're, they're, they're Man United. It's the, one of the biggest clubs in the world. So I think if this means Glazers out eventually, that's positive. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a decent solution. Of course it's not ideal that he's starting with 25%. But um, when you look at uh, what's coming out in the news that he's going to take full sporting control, listen, that could go either way. Right, but but the rumors I'm hearing could mean the end of Richard Arnold, John Murto, figures who fans don't really love. And if the, he can get the right people in charge, we could see a much different sporting operation at United. So his managerial—I mean, I don't know much about his tenure at Nice, to be honest. But the managerial points have been okay. Uh, if he brings in, you know, somebody like Paul Mitchell, who's a really uh, sought-after scout. You know, and and there's other people like linked with with them, uh, the former director of, of PSG and CEO of Juventus. So, listen, I don't know much about these guys. I'm not going to pretend I do, but I think at the end of the day, if new sporting people are put in place, and if the Glazers are bought out eventually, then that is positive in my opinion. Yeah, I think where a lot of the negative sentiment from United fans is coming is everything you said there is true. If all those ifs come true, it's a lot of ifs. The problem is. With if it was if it was gonna be Qatar, it all those ifs aren't ifs. It's like that's gonna happen because we've seen it with these other state-owned clubs. It's gotten to that point where they just eliminate the debt, get rid of the deadwood, and start fresh. What this seems like is a is a, is a prolonged period of Glazers' ownership and Sir Jim Ratcliffe not having full autonomy with making decisions, which still has, has the final say. Right, that's the question. It's not it's not a clean break. That's what United fans were hoping for, and they didn't get that. And when you look at Sir Jim Ratcliffe, you know, he's apparently a United fan because he grew up in the area, but he wanted to buy Chelsea and he wanted to buy other teams. So there's questions there and people just aren't sold on whether he will be the right guy to bring in the right people to run the team. Because you, you said it. I mean, United fans are sick of Murta. They're sick of Arnold. They were sick of, you know, Ed Woodward, Woodward who was gone now. And that's what's going to be the difference because, yes, United don't. United can spend as much as Man City. They've probably spent more. Yeah. But they've spent it so badly. And why is that? It's probably because the people at the top aren't surrounding it's, themselves with the right yeah, people. The Glazers so, haven't put the right guys in charge. Right. So as long as the Glazers remain in the picture, United fans will always doubt the direction yeah. the team's and going that's fair. in. And that's fair. And can Sir Jim Ratcliffe be that guy to make the, the right decision? We'll see. Uh, it's a step yeah. in the right direction, no doubt. I think a lot of United fans are it's in doomsday territory. It remains to be seen how bad this could be. I don't think it's going to make things worse because no. you're still going to have money to spend, if not more yeah. now. But uh, I think it's more disappointment because of what they could have been. They could yeah, they I wanted just... they wanted that super wealth, and that's fair. But I don't think one. I don't think they need the super wealth. They already are super wealthy. Right. And two, who's to say? I mean, look what the Qataris have done with PSG. They haven't really. They've won league on. You know. I mean, who's to say that they? Would yes, they would redevelop the stadium immediately, and I, and I get all that. But if you look at on the pitch, who's to say that they would become uh, a Man City, right? I mean, we don't know. I mean, PSG haven't won the Champions League yet, yeah. right? So, I mean, you know, either, either way you look at it, there's 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 risks and positives and negatives. I just think it's better than nothing, and I think if what we're hearing is true, 
that he's going to take full control eventually. He's taking full sporting control right now. If you look what he did at Nice, he didn't really have a bowly hands-on role. He's going to put people in place who know what they're doing. Then that's positive. Of course, we don't know if that's going to happen, right? We'll see. I think Thursday is the day where it, it will it gets voted it gets, on. Yeah. So I think, of course, there's a concern that the Glazers may still have a final say and will still be the majority shareholders. But I personally would prefer somebody like Sir Jim than state ownership, just from a perspective of, you know, I mean, we see City fans and Newcastle fans getting it all the time with, from yeah. a fan perspective. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the moral issues, do you support the owners, do you not? It's, it's, just, it's just a bit messy. And I just, I just don't want to see the game come to that, especially an institution like Manchester United, who are the biggest club in the country. I just, I just like the idea of it being, uh, I mean, listen, billionaire ownership, you can question that too. But personally, as a fan, I'd rather that in the long run, I know it's not going to happen immediately, than Sheikh Jassim and Qatar, who don't have a brilliant human rights record. <laughs> I just, think, least, I just yeah. think for Manchester United, one of the biggest institutions in the United Kingdom, it's just, I don't know, it seems more right to me. Yeah. You know, I don't know. All right, let's move on to some international footy talk. Uh, the World Cup in 2026 is going to be the first to have 48 teams, 16 more teams. It is going to be groups of four. Uh, that's going to stay the same, but there will be a round of 32. Uh, what is your take on this change of format? Do you like it so, or not? So... I thought it was – so originally it was going to be 48 teams with 12 groups of four. I heard it was 16 groups of three. I think it's going to be four. They're going back to that, four. That's the thing I just saw. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. So so I like that better. Yeah. Right? So, But I think third-place teams, eight of the third-place teams maybe yes. are going through. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I really didn't – don't fix it. And they, if like it ain't broke, broken. don't fix it. Yeah, if it yeah. ain't broke, don't fix it. Sorry about the table slam. <laughs> I mean, I just – at the end of the day, we know why they're doing this. TV money, it's money. Uh, FIFA gets more revenue, you know. So it's it's a bit it's a bit sad. Yeah, we get more games as a fan, yay. Yep. But I don't know. Third place teams going through. Eh, I think just, I think the problem I'm not inspired by it. Yeah, and I think the problem is it could dilute the quality a bit. You might get teams who maybe shouldn't, you know, be in it. And international football already isn't the most. Sometimes there, you can get a crap game in the knockouts of the group stage. Uh, I mean, it's gonna be exciting, but yeah, I don't love it. Uh, and then quickly. The 2030 World Cup locations were announced. Uh, Portugal, Spain, and Morocco are going to be the host nations, but there's going to be games played. We've briefly touched about this uh, with Nylon. Uh, in, I think it's Argentina, Argentina, Uruguay, and Paraguay. Paraguay as opening games. And I think this just, you know, to add my, my take on this, FIFA are more worried about the spectacle and the brand than the product. And they're more and more, they're caring less about the players' well-being and because they, they don't care. They're just numbers. They're, yeah, they're, I mean, they're playing eight games instead of seven in yeah. 2026. And and now you're having, you're having players, it's more travel, it's more time on the road. How will that increase injuries, quality of play? And they're not worried about that. They're just worried about their bottom line. Should I be surprised because it's FIFA? No, nothing new for this group. That's all they care about. Um, but I do think it's a shame that we're seeing, and I think players like Van Dyke we're even talking about it recently, this this lack of care being shown to professional athletes and, and football players. And injuries are injuries are coming. Injuries are, are quickly increasing. You're seeing that. There's no coincidence that the increase in games is leading to that. So now when you have FIFA, the governing body, not really going along with helping players, it doesn't sit right with me. I completely agree. I think on paper, oh, Argentina, South America, they, they're getting a game. Is just 
just put the whole tournament there. Then yeah. if you actually, you know what I mean? I just, uh, I'm not inspired by it. Even I mean, I don't mind. I, I think Portugal, Spain, Morocco, okay, that's kind of fun, multi-continent, you know, whatever. But the South America, all the way over to Europe or Africa, that's just, you're right, it's a lot for the players to handle. And I just, they clearly don't care about that. It's a huge problem. So, honestly, I just think, it's weird. I, I, I feel like the days of those, like, Brazil World Cup, you know, the, the South Africa one, seem to be over. And yeah. I, I don't, that doesn't really sit well with me. I, I From a fan perspective, I, I liked it when it was all one country and, and, and one cultural experience. It's just... It's going to be all over the place in yeah. 2030. I just I, I don't think that's really what the World Cup's about. I like it when it's in, you know, or, you know, one or two countries maybe that are neighbors and it's just it's a cultural experience as much as anything. And I just think doing it across six countries is 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 weird to me. Yeah. I just I'm not I, I get it, you know, the commemoration of the 100th anniversary, but I mean surely they could have worked it out a different way or, or you know, Morocco, Spain, Portugal could have done the next one, but people want the money as yeah. soon as possible, right? So that's that's just the way it works. All right, now we're moving on to the return of the random, not so random segment of the week. We've got Prem Manager Superlatives. Uh, I've made a list of five most likely twos, and Harrison and I are going to give our take. So without further ado, let's get into it. All right, most likely to lose all their money at a casino. <laughs> I like this one. Yeah. My take is Roberto De Zerbi. I was thinking him. The reason I take that is because, you know, he plays his way, doesn't mm -hmm. change his yeah. way. He's he's all in. If he loses, if he gets counterattacked, it's 3-1, it's done. You know, if he gets if he gets screwed on the river playing black uh, playing Texas Hold'em, that, that's it. And he he won't be apologized, won't feel bad. He's like, "You know what? I did my thing." Just didn't work out. So I think Deserby, stay away from Vegas, buddy, because you could lose all your money. So so that's an interesting way of looking at these. I sort of looked at it more of just like personality yeah, yeah, and no, vibe I did that, of yeah. the manager rather than like their tactics, but I like that. So I, I don't have a great reason for this <laughs> one, but I went for Steve Cooper. <laughs> he just looks – I think if you throw him into a casino, he just looks like he doesn't know what he's doing. I, I Do you know what that. I mean? I just I, look I at him and I'm that, like yeah. – you are not a shark on the poker yeah. table. So I think Steve Cooper, he could have one too many. He's kind of a lightweight, we hear. No, I don't know anything about Steve Cooper. But um, short. He could uh, he could just get uh, distracted, and uh, I don't know. I could see him uh, losing a few quid at the casino. At the Hippodrome. All right, most likely to have a Karen episode this was easy at Starbucks. I think we might have the same answer. I have Arteta. Oh, interesting. I don't. Okay, I have Arteta because he's just always losing on the sideline. He's so, like, ugh. Like, the clip came up from C the shout. CD game last year, like, where he's playing the ball away from De Bruyne, like, getting into shoving matches, and he, he just refuses to be quiet. And if his, you know, mocha latte is coming out 10 minutes late, he's you're going to hear it from him. There's no, like, there's, there's no way Arteta is staying silent in line at Starbucks. He would definitely be one to have an episode. That's a good shout, and I think this person would, would have a similar reaction in a, in a different way. Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, that was my other option. He, he, he complains. Okay, he like we, we've just seen it. Same, same reasons. Uh, so, yeah, we, we were along the same lines there. But, yeah, I think Jurgen, maybe they're biased there with the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not. I'm not as big a fan in terms of personality. So, um, yeah, I just think he could he could be a Karen if something. Jurgen Karen, wrong. not that different. Klopp Karen. Yeah. yeah, Karen Klopp. All right, next one. Most likely to end up in jail after their career. This one was 
was tough. This was tough. I went with Marco Silva. Who seems to have a bit of this like Portuguese gangster like vibe to him. He got suspended for like what was it, like five or six games. He always gets suspended like for accumulating yellow cards this year. That FA Cup game against United last year. Seems a bit of a bad boy. Seems a bit tempered. I don't know what the crime would be, but I could see him in, in, in a cell for a few days or weeks. Yeah. Just a shout from me. Don't really know what. Yeah, this was tough. I went with Deserby mm. because... He looks a bit angry. Yeah. He he He's outspoken. Yeah. And I think he could, <laughs> he could let's say, just say like, he's in a bar, had a few drinks, says the wrong thing. Yeah. All of a sudden, he's in a scrap outside, ends up in jail. Uh, so yeah, I don't. Again, it, this was this was tricky, but I just think Deserby is a bit feisty. Bit feisty, you know. So I think he could he could be in jail. Uh, <laughs> all right, next one. Most likely to give their career earnings to charity. All right, I went with Big Ange on this mm, one. Seems like one. a big fuzzy teddy bear. Good, good heart. Seems like he cares about his community and really passionate uh, in Australia. So that's who I, I do. This. I mean, if. Uh, it could be it could be a couple. Uh, yeah. I mean, Moisey could too. <laughs> I love that. But I, I went, went with, with Uncle Roy Hodgson. Oh, good one. Uh, he just came to mind as as a as a nice guy, and you know he's getting up there in age, so he he's gonna maybe think about where his money's going at the end. So uh, I I just think another uh, Ange is a really good shout. S- similar kind of reasoning, right? Just seems like a, a genuine guy um, who who cares about you know people yeah. at the end of the day. So he's a un- Uncle Roy. He's a lovely bloke. He is. <laughs> He'll give some money to charity. All right. Uh, last one. I like this one. Most likely to survive alone on a deserted island. This one was easy for me. Same. You're looking at a guy who can turn nothing into something, work with the bare minimum, and survive. I'm talking about Eddie Howe. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Eddie Howe. Interesting. He came into Newcastle, had a bunch of scraps. Almiron, Joe Wellington. I mean, LaSalle, Char, nothing. You get, you're on that deserted island. You got nothing there. There's no mm. gourmet food. Mm. He makes something out of nothing. He's a grafter. He'll make the raft to get off the island. He'll make the paddle. He'll swim if he has to. Eddie Howe's getting off that island. So very different manager, but sort of for similar reasons. Sean Dyche. Mm, yeah. He, yeah. He can survive <laughs> in any conditions, man. There's that famous photo or gif of him in the in snow. The, in the snow. Oh, I, I just it. think he's... he he. He reeks of of this category, you know. Just again, kind of something out of nothing. Yeah. Can can work with 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 Burnley squads who should be in the championship. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I think I think he knows a few survival tactics. I think he's got the stamina to to see it out in either either climate. Uh, it could get a bit sunburned. We are concerned about that bald head. But uh, if it's you know if it's a tropical deserted island, that wasn't specified in the question. No, it wasn't. Sorry. So so it could be it could be a uh, a region in a in a colder area, perhaps, but um, yeah, Daichi had to, had to sneak him in here somehow. Yeah, that's a good uh, shout. So I, I rate Daichi's chances of surviving. Uh, that's gonna do it for this episode of the Instagram. We'll be back next week, uh, hopefully with lots of good prem talk to talk about some Champions League preview, maybe. Uh, but until then, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.